Hey, it's Michael, and welcome to another podcast episode. Before I get into today's episode, we wanted to make an offer to you. If you go to firmsconsulting.com, you will see a pop-up or you'll see a place to add in your email address or you can register on the Firms Consulting website. If you register onto that website, you get put into an exclusive list. And what you get in that exclusive list is samples of the content we have available to FC Insiders. So that said, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. When I became a consulting partner, actually maybe just before I became a consulting partner, and when I was leading case teams, I developed a very interesting habit. I was so tired of traveling by the time I reached senior levels of the organization, and I was traveling very extensively, that I actually did not like being around people. I know that sounds bizarre, but I was just so tired of being on a phone call at 6 o'clock in the morning, taking another call at 7 o'clock. I was given a lot of responsibilities very quickly because of progression, so I was involved in many things, and I made sure I was involved in many things. But the point is that the workload became quite significant and then I'd be in projects and then I'd only finish working with the teams around maybe 8, 10 sometimes, go home, do my own work, make sure I'm ready for the next day. That Getting my own personal time became a problem. When I moved up to very senior levels of the organization, I was involved in a lot of business development, obviously dealing with clients, talking to clients, helping clients develop their business. I just want to make that distinction. When many firms say business development, they mean sales. That's not what I mean. I mean, helping clients become successful. You know, sales is a very bad word to use amongst the big four. But the point is this. I struggled to get time alone, to do anything. My secretary would book me into meetings one after the other. And then there were some nights where I'd have dinner three times, three times, and the food would taste like sawdust literally would taste terrible because you're just not enjoying the food. You're there to discuss and think and really put the client's interest first. And I mean, when I used to attend these dinners, I always used to make sure the client came away feeling that they had got something valuable from this. But anyway, to cut a long story short is that I developed this really interesting habit that throughout the cities I worked in, and I've worked in many cities, I found restaurants that would allow me to come in before they opened and serve me. Crush in King West Toronto is one of those restaurants. 30 minutes before they officially opened, they would allow me to come in. They would allow me to have a seat and they would serve me. And I really love being alone in a restaurant for a number of reasons. I could take calls because there's no one around me. If for some reason I had to open my laptop, which you never should do in a busy restaurant, I could do it because it's private. And I really love the setting of just being having this time to myself, no rushing, no worrying about who's behind me or the noise around me, just sitting quietly, drinking a glass of wine and eating good food. Calm, peaceful, just the barman quietly sitting in the corner, knowing not to disturb me, polishing the glasses. Crush is one of those restaurants in King West Toronto. And I arranged a similar session a few weeks ago with one of the candidates we placed. I'm not going to give more details than that about the candidate. Beyond the point that he's a McKinsey person, he's one of the first people we placed when we just started firms consulting. And one of the first people we placed in Toronto, for that matter. And one of the things that he told me is that, you know, Michael, I've been here for a few months now and I'm struggling. And I need to know if this is a structural problem or it's something that is just going to be overcome in time. And our philosophy is always to help our candidates as much as we can. So, I went down to Toronto and I went to King Street West Crush and I, as usual, 
arrived there 45 minutes early. They were able to serve us these really wonderful scallops and a beautifully braised chicken breast. But anyway, besides the point. So we sat and I want to understand the issue here. And this guy isn't bad. I mean, he's got a fantastic background, top five business school. He's got an unbelievable track record in the financial services sector before you joined McKinsey. Very friendly person, I would say. Very friendly, very collegial, very polite. Used to be quite athletic, but judging from what I saw when I arrived there, he obviously had been letting himself go just a little bit. And his feeling was that he was encountering a number of problems. The first one was the transition. Although he went to business school and although he had worked in finance, he did find that the way consulting approaches problems is very different from financial services. I mean, he used to work in financial services, specializing in a particular sector. And in consulting, in the two months he'd been there, he'd already worked on three separate projects. Granted, they were not complete projects. He was brought in to support the existing team. But he felt that he was finding it very difficult to get his teeth hooked in before he was yanked off and sent somewhere else. And it was very difficult for him to leverage what he had learned in one project because the next project covered a totally different sector. Beyond that, his feeling was that the amount of work that was required was just staggering. I mean, he never thought that so much had to be done in such a short space of time. Moreover, it was expected that there would be debriefs almost on a daily basis so that teams could see progress and update. He also struggled because although he went to business school, he had never worked in a consulting environment, so he was relying heavily on guidance from the case leader to guide him through the engagements. And his feeling was that in some cases, he was just out of his depth. And when, especially when he was talking with the principal, they would give him ways to approach the problem that he didn't fully understand, and he would go ahead, but he's still not sure if he's doing the right thing. Finally, time management for him was a huge issue. He just couldn't manage. I mean, he was flying out on uh, Sunday nights just to make sure he set up enough time for himself. He'd arrive home beat on a Friday. He just wanted to crash on the couch. He just couldn't manage his time. He had no life beyond work. Personally, he was struggling. Part of the deal he had made with his wife is that after they had been married for a few years, the transition away from banking would hopefully give them more stability in the sense that it was something they could build in for the long term, given all the uncertainty in the investment banking sector. And the hours you were spending away from home had removed the certainty that came from knowing that you wasn't going to be fired in the financial services sector. And I thought very carefully about this guy and over this wonderful dinner with wonderful Ontario white wine, the Tours Riesling, I'm not, they didn't pay me to advertise for them, but I think it's a fantastic glass of Riesling at $15 a glass, but it's just beautiful. And I think you should get that if you're ever at crushing King Street West. But anyway, we were talking about his career and so on. And one of the things I had to understand is really what he wanted, because my greatest fear is that he was going to listen to what I said and simply take it as gospel. And I didn't want that to happen because we need to understand his truly unique situation. I try to understand what does he want in life? I mean, he spent a lot of money, obviously, and time to get into McKinsey and effort. And I think he did very well considering you know, who he was up against and how few people were hired in that particular year for that office. And I wanted to understand, you know, what does he want from life? What does he want for his career in the short term, in the maybe two years and three years? And we spoke about that. And then my thinking was that if I understood that without leading him, we could then craft a plan to get him there. 
and see if more time in consulting was required. Now, I've personally felt that he had what it took. And the transition he was going through was certainly not unusual. I mean, I tell him stories about my early days in consulting, my first project, which was an absolute disaster. My first financial modeling project was so bad that I'm pretty shocked that I stayed in consulting. I mean, it was really bad where the senior partner had to step in to help me build a model and I was there sleepless nights in the office and so on. But the point is this, a lot of people have rocky starts. It doesn't determine how you'll be successful in the future. What determines whether you'll be successful in the future is how you respond to these obstacles and challenges you face. So he spoke about what he wanted and his feeling was that he, he was enjoying consulting, but for some reason he didn't have the ability to navigate himself through the week and plan his week and plan the month and take control. So clearly he wanted to be a consultant. I thought that was the best career for him and I thought he could make it. So we spent a lot of time talking about the first three projects he was on, how it went, how he felt he performed, where his weaknesses were, what was the feedback he received and so on. And one of the things I realized very quickly with this guy is that he doesn't take control of a situation. If you do look at the way he manages things, rather than being accountable for what he's doing, he is responsible for it. Now, what does that mean? Well, accountability means the buck stops with you. No matter what happens, no matter what is going on, if you are accountable for something, you will make sure it happens. Responsible are the doers. Someone else does design and planning for you, and you just go out and implement it. I felt he was too responsible. For example, he was talking to me over an organizational survey he needed to do. And in talking this through and asked him, so why did you not use the existing work that had been done by the team? He said, well, the engagement manager told me not to do it. I didn't really understand why, but I didn't want to question them. I said, that's not the way you have to do things. You have to be accountable. Accountability means that you plan it. You design a solution. But it also means that if no one understands it, it is your job to make them understand it. So accountability is pretty tough, and many people cannot be accountable. They love getting direction, and they love going out and doing it, and they tell me they are leaders and so on. You are not a leader if you're given direction and you just execute it. You're given a plan and you execute it. You are then responsible because it is someone else's responsibility to make sure that everything works. Whoever has that role of making sure things come together at the end of the day, despite the problems that will come up, is the person who is accountable. And I felt that this guy was very responsible. And I told him, look, the next time you do a project, I want you to tell the engagement manager, look, can you give me a day to think about how I'd structure this and plan this? I don't want to talk to you about it. When you go to see the engagement manager again, take his advice, but don't ask him to draw it out for you. Think about it and come back with a suggestion. Always come back with a suggestion. And it's your job to make sure the plan you put on the table can be implemented. It's your job to speak to the rest of your colleagues on the case project and find out if the plan you put forward does not duplicate what they're already doing as well as uses the outputs they are producing. Clearly, he was too much on the responsible side, not enough on the accountable side. And I pointed out to him, there's nothing more demoralizing and irritating than being told by a partner what to do at 11 p.m. on a weekday and then rushing off to do it the next day when you don't fully understand what is required and you're never bought into the concept. The other point I realized is this guy doesn't ask for help. His version of asking for help is sending someone a mail. If they don't respond to him, he just says they're not willing to help them. If you need something from someone, it's your job to break down the doors to get that information. And if that person doesn't want to help you, then you go to someone else and get the help. 
That's the difference between accountability and responsibility. Your responsible guy is told to ask for help and he just does enough to say he asked for help. The accountable guy will make sure he gets the help. And I did feel this guy was a bit, I think, slack in that regard. I also tend to take time away. You know, when I was in consultant, I would make sure that, as I mentioned, you arrive for these dinners early just by myself, no one around me, and I just would just like to decompress. Even when I had team breakfast, I would arrive 30 minutes before, sometimes 45 minutes before. I would like to sit overlooking, if it was a beautiful city like Rio, sit overlooking the beachfront and order my papaya juice and just sit down and decompress. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to order anything. I just want to drink my juice quietly and stay at the ocean. And I felt that he wasn't taking time away. So he was constantly doing things and it was sort of piling up like a pileup, I suppose, on a freeway. And because he was never taking time to clear this pileup, it was just getting worse and worse. And Tim, you got to take time away for yourself. You have to do it. And he wasn't doing it. Weekends were even worse. He'd be in the office trying to catch up on stuff. I said, you should never do that. Your lack of planning means that no matter how much time you allocate to things, you're just going to further and further behind. And finally, I did notice that this guy was seemed to be obsessed with producing the right answer the first time. And I tell him that's not the way it works in consulting. You have to be willing to come up with a straw model. For those of you who don't know management consulting or don't know the term, it's a draft version. It's not perfect. It's a draft version. And then you need to constantly make it better and better. Do not expect to spend three weeks working on something and not showing it to anyone, then pulling out your slides at the end and saying, ta-da, you'll be fired for that. There should be a policy of no surprises. Your team and your engagement manager and your partner must always know what you're working on. You should surprise them. The ta-da moment should say, ta-da, it's a 10% improvement, or ta-da, it's a 20% improvement. But you never hide away in the corner and expect to show them perfection at the end. You can't do that because you don't know what perfection looks like. You're just an associate. Sure, you went to a great school, but you're still just an associate. You must get feedback from experts and build towards that. This session I had was a few weeks ago, and I had a follow-up call with this guy recently. And while I think he's definitely making progress, I think the most impressive thing I've seen about this guy is the fact that he's understood the difference between accountability and responsibility. He's still struggling with time management. He's still struggling personally. He's still struggling with speed, but he's got the foundation right, which is he's now taken accountability for what he, what he needs to deliver. The other thing is he would get it with time, but the accountability responsibility issue is very important for me. It's like when I was a partner and I'd tell someone to do something and they'd come back to me and say, exactly, how do I do this, Michael? Where do I find it? It's not my job to tell you that. If you meant to design an analysis, you need to figure it out. If you want my advice on my thoughts on how to do it, I'd give it to you. But if you want me to work out every little page for you, then you shouldn't be in consulting. Consultants need to take the guidance they're given and create something from it. You have no idea how unstructured management consulting is. It's like nothing you have ever seen in your entire life. And that's why consulting firms place such a significant premium on structure because you are going into chaotic situations. They have to bring structure to the situation. And looking at this guy today, I would say he will do well. I'm not yet sure if he'll make it all the way to partner. I still need to see how he's going to manage all the other transition points. He's still at the phase of getting the rational side right. And once he fixes that, he's then got to fix the emotional intelligence side, which is basically how he interacts with people, clients, and manages his colleagues and team members. And once he figures that out, he's got to manage the political side of things, which is understanding the undercurrents in the client situation.
obviously a long way to go, but I think that the start is knowing you're struggling and willing to ask for help. And I think he did that. But as you can see, you know, linking this back to the kind of preparation you need, the ability to structure and think in chaotic situations is a fundamental skill in management consulting. You should ask yourself, if you are struggling with cases, do you want to be a management consultant? Do you have what it takes to be a management consultant? Someone who faints at the sight of blood shouldn't be a doctor. Someone who faints at the sight of Macy and decision trees and so on probably shouldn't be a management consultant as well. And in fact, I take that further and say someone who cannot be calm in the face of chaos shouldn't be a management consultant. The industry is tough. The workload is difficult. But just the amount of pressure it puts on you is significant. And within that you know, whirlpool of chaos, you've got to find a way to bring structure and discipline. Moreover, you have to do it in such a way that the, your colleagues around you can feed off their energy and say, hey, you know, this guy looks calm and confident. Maybe things are going well because I can assure you a project is tough. No matter what anyone says, a project is tough. If you're working for one of the crown jewel clients, like General Electric or whatever it is, it's even tougher. If you're working for one of the more well-known partners or one of the most important issues for the firm, then it just gets tougher by a factor of 100 and the key thing here is ask for help, manage yourself, and be accountable. Some people say, I'm a responsible person. Great, but are you an accountable person? That's what counts at the end of the day. Hopefully you enjoyed that podcast. And if you have any questions, as always, please feel free to reach out and we will respond as best we can. Thank you. And that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing the episode. Finally, I want you to remember that the only way to get access to our special offers, the only way to get our special pricing, and the only way to get samples of our content is to join the list on firmsconsulting.com. It's the only way also to get access to our unique advanced content that we make available to insiders. So if you want to get a sneak peek of things, test it out, see what's in there, this is the place to go. And finally, I want to thank you again for making us one of the largest podcast channels around the world for careers and for the 2 million downloads and counting.